Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message from our special guest. I have my heart so full to be able to worship with people in a way besides Zoom. I mean, this is so fun. And you heard here they call it offline. So offline means in person versus online. So uh, so good to be here. I. Uh, I'm always at home. I'm always honored to be with my dear friend and brother, Pastor Don. Thank you for allowing me to to join here and to share. Today I want to talk to you about something, but I, I, I feel strongly in my heart, but I want to give you an experience or share with you an experience that I had when I was in college. Now that was a long time ago, but I was a student at the University of Texas. I had not known Jesus very long. And I learned something really powerful. I was in a church service and I was sitting in the back and there was a speaker. I don't remember his name. I just remember he was a missionary to Africa. And I don't remember what he said. I know I loved it because I've always loved God's heart for the nations. Uh, but it, the pastor, our pastor got up and said, we're going to now receive an offering for our brother from Africa. And something came alive in me. It was like fireworks. It was like, it was like a gushing well of yearning to give. And I was new in Christ. I had not been discipled very long. And so this was all new to me. I know some of you are like, duh. But I was like, whoa, this was just this overwhelming feeling. And I, and I grabbed my wallet and they were going to pass the offering plate. But I was like, uh... I don't think I can wait. I want to just like run down and empty my wallet. Now, got to understand, my wallet was pretty teepees. It was pretty skinny. There was just a little bit of money. I don't remember how much. But I did have a part-time job on Saturdays. This was Sundays, Sunday, and I basically emptied my wallet. Uh, and knowing that there was a little sacrifice involved in terms of food money that week. But the point is, something birthed in my heart that I've experienced thousands of times since then. And that is the joy of giving something as if I were giving it to Jesus and feeling His pleasure. So today I want to talk about this joy and, and where I'm going with it, just to kind of give you a heads up, is I'm going with what I believe is God's favorite offering. But I want to talk to you about offerings a little bit more just to give you some examples and to encourage you. Uh, so fast forward, 28 years old, Janine and I, my wife and I, were preparing with our two little girls to move to Indonesia. And we were uh, raising support, we were selling everything that we had. And uh, one thing that we had is, is I had this car that was uh, kind of my favorite. Now, my wife didn't like it that much, but I liked it. And, and so one day, as we were planning on selling it, we had the idea that there's a woman in our life group who's a single mom, needed a job, had no car, and we thought, let's just give it to Diane. So I got in the car. You can show the next picture. It was a kodok, you know, they say here in Indonesia, a frog. And I drove this car, and, and I can't tell you the joy of knocking on her door and saying, Diane, it's yours. And, uh, and, I, and I, on my way home, I was just thinking, man, I like that car, but man, I would much rather sense your smile 
and this, this joy of giving. Well, there have been many, many, many experiences since then of when we've, we've felt led to be generous. And there have been many, many experiences when we felt led, or people felt led to be generous with us. And one of the funniest is it happened about 10 years ago. We were in our church gathering and we, we had a, you know, just a wonderful congregation like you guys. And typically there was a response time and there were dozens of people down at the front praying. And in the middle of this wonderful prayer atmosphere, this woman comes up the middle of the aisle and she's like trying to get my attention. I mean, we're praying over people, but she's like, Ron, Ron. And, and she's quite tall. Debbie's quite tall, and so she was easy to spot. And she said, where's Janine? And I said, she's down here praying for someone. Sabar. You know, I didn't, she didn't say Sabar, but I said, wait, just wait. You know, she'll be okay. She'll be with you. But anyway, she was like, she just couldn't wait. She was so excited. And finally, she, she broke through and she grabbed Janine, took her outdoors, and put her in, next, next slide, put her in this car and gave her the key. Isn't that amazing? Brand new car. It didn't have 100 kilometers on it. And what had happened, there's a backstory. I won't go into all the details. But Deb, Debbie, had served as a missionary in Africa, had broke her neck, had to come home to the United States. And she had a major donor, and she had said in her heart, God, if you ever give me a chance, I would love to give away a big offering. And she had met with my wife earlier that week. My wife was driving an old car. And my wife was truly rejoicing with her at her new car. And she was showing it off. And on the way home, the Holy Spirit reminded her, hey, you've always wanted to give a big offering. And, and how about your pastor's wife? And so Deb gave this car to Janine. But the fun that she had in doing it was so impressive. And even, you know, years later, she just breaks out in a smile when we, we remind her of that amazing gift. Long story short, God provided her another car, and just like it. And uh, God's blessed us all through it. The point is, what I want to remind you of, and many of you already know this, there's no joy like that. There's no joy like feeling like you're pleasing God through what you give. Now, I want to say this, having studied the New Testament for 50 plus years, the Old Testament as well, but especially the New Testament, that when we give voluntarily, in other words, when we have this yearning in our heart, and maybe it's the Spirit, maybe we just have an idea, I think I'm going to give. When we give joyfully, when we give sacrificially, in other words, when it hurts, you know, when it like, whoa, that, that's something special and I'm giving it away. And when we give, especially as if we're giving it to God, He's pleased. He's pleased. Now, there's a, there's a theme running throughout the Bible. It starts in Genesis, and it's the theme of an offering that pleases God. If you've read the Bible, you've read that. An offering pleasing to God. That's what this kind of offering is. In the very first account, it's with Cain and Abel. And we see that phrase, an offering pleasing to God. And it says, next slide, that in that offering, the Lord looked with favor on Abel's offering. But on Cain's offering, he did not look with favor. So 
let me just insert here this really important principle. There are offerings that please God and offerings that don't. There are offerings that are more pleasing to God than others. God is a bit picky about offerings. Even if we have a good heart, there are things that he values even more. Okay? So, I just want to camp here a few minutes and then talk about his favorite offering. But, next slide. So, in Hebrews, we see this repeated a lot in the New Testament, this idea of what's really pleasing to God. Through Jesus, therefore, now that's important, through Jesus, through our relationship with Christ, through his faith working in us, through his character being formed in us, through his generosity, let us continually offer to God, it's not a one-time deal, the sacrifice of the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. So that is one of those offerings. And I'm totally aware of this daily as I wake up and I, the first thing I do every day is I bring him an offering of gratitude. An offering of gratitude. Now here in, in Bali, you see sasajans, these little offerings to Dewa Dewi, Luluhur. But there's an offering that really pleases the Father. And that's when you and I open our lips and we say, thank you, thank you. So there's this offering that we bring him daily. And what does the scripture say? It's, it's pleasing to God. For such offering sacrifices, God is pleased. And then, of course, he mentions two others. Uh, don't forget to do good. Don't forget to share with others. Uh, I won't embarrass you. I won't embarrass her. But there's this woman I know really well this week who, who just cooked up, spent all afternoon cooking a meal including some incredible cookies. And the sad thing is she gave them all away, which I was kind of sad about, but because a family was suffering. A family was suffering and she just served them. And I thought, man, the smile on the Lord's face because of this woman's offering. And you guys know about this. You know, every time you put money in the, the offering bag, every time you, you say, you know what, I really like that motorcycle, but I'm going to give it to someone that has a need, or I really like that car, or I really like that house, or whatever. That kind of radical sacrifice. Even if you have very little, but giving what you have in a way that's sacrificial, and joyful, and willingly, and unto the Lord, puts a smile on the Father's face. Now, all that's introduction to what I really want to talk about. And that is God's favorite offering. Now, once again, anything we do unto Him, anything we do to sacrifice and give away, the Lord's just smiling and He's going, way to go. He's celebrating it. And it helps me, by the way. Try that. Try that with your sacrificial gifts. Try that with fasting. Try, try thinking, I'm giving this meal to God. You know? And there's joy in it. There's joy in it. But the greatest offering, okay, ready, drum roll, the greatest offering, what is that? The one most pleasing to God, what is it? People. Say people. Yeah, that was kind of weak. Say people. Yeah. The moment you and I turn from darkness and turn from our idols and 
and turn from our lifestyle of selfish living and we said, we're going to follow Jesus, the Father in heaven is rejoicing. It says that in Luke 15. In Luke 15, he's like the shepherd, like the woman, like the father going, woo! We read that verse uh, in, in, in front of the angels. There's rejoicing. Oh, the angels are rejoicing. No, it's God who's rejoicing. In Luke 15. Now, maybe the angels are joining in, but it's the father going, I love this because that's why I created you. That's why the father created you, to be Lenka, to be, to be tied, connected to him, to be a son, daughter, and relate to him and, and get up every day and say, good morning, Father, and go to bed every night saying, good night, Father, and sensing his presence throughout the day. That's why he created you and me, and it delights his heart. He's dancing over us a lot cooler than we were dancing in front of him all ago, and with a lot more abandonment. That's his character. He loves us. And so... When you and I, having received this life, have influence at passing it on and having others come and follow Jesus with us, we've, we've just given our biggest, best, most satisfying offering to the Father. And that is profound to me. That is why I live a life of making disciples. Because it's not about me. It's about pleasing Him. Next slide. So, Romans 15, we've got an example of this. I'm not just pulling this out of the air. I want you to notice the underlying statement. An offering acceptable to God, or in another language, or in another translation, pleasing to God. There it is, that same theme. That theme was in Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus. It's over in the New Testament. In the Apostle Paul, in the context of Romans 15, is writing the Roman church as to one of the main reasons he wrote the letter is to tell them, hey, I'm coming your way. I look forward to meeting you guys. And by the way, I'm going on to Spain and I hope you guys help out with the offering for the trip. So he, was, he was writing an offering letter. And, and in it, he describes this ministry all the way from Jerusalem to Elycrium. He's going in the power of the Spirit. He's proclaiming Christ among the pagans among the idol worshipers, among the non-Jewish people, and there's signs and wonders, and there's new disciples who are making disciples and house churches forming that are multiplying, house churches in cities like Ephesus who are starting new house churches in places like Colossae. And all this was going on, and Paul says, you know, my work's basically done in the, the eastern part of the Roman Empire. I'm now going to the western part. But in describing it, what he's been doing is that he's been, oh, by the way, because of the grace God gave me. That's a really important idea in giving. It's always about God's grace. He empowers us to be generous. generous. He, he shapes generosity in us. And his grace gives us the ability to follow through and do it unto him. He gave me the priestly duty. He's talking Levitical language here. Paul, the former rabbi. Paul, the Jew who understood the priestly uh, calling in, in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, all of us are priests. And so Paul's using this rabbinical language. And as he's proclaiming the gospel, that they might, that these pagans, like my ancestors, 
would become an offering pleasing to God. Isn't that amazing? He's viewing all these disciples who are making disciples, who are making disciples as part of what his inheritance is or what his offering is as he stands before the Father on Judgment Day. And he says, Father, check it out. Hey, check it out. I'm bringing my offering. This is my offering. And the Father's just like going, yes! And when we live with that understanding of not only God's favorite offering, but our part in giving that offering, our ability to do that, our opportunity to do that. It's not like you got to share your faith. No, it's like we get to share our faith because in doing so, we're part of this offering process. And there's a, in our hearts just this bundle of people, this, this crowd of people that we want to see coming before Him on that day. Next slide. So the idea of the burnt offering in the Old Testament now becomes people. <laughs> Not being burnt, but being offered up and becoming God's possession. Becoming people who thank Him and praise Him. People who relate to Him. And that's what we're living for and breathing for. Now I know some of you are thinking, that's not my job. That's your job. You're one of those, those foreign workers, you know. You're one of those, you're, you're one of those pastor types, you know. And that's your job. My job is to lay around because I'm a layman. Uh, but that's, that's, that's not true. We're all ministers of this covenant. We all get to, to give this offering. Every one of us get to be part of influencing others. And so what I'm saying is, is that through you and I's example of our life, through you and I's prayers for the lost and prayers for people that we know who are far from Christ, through you and I's influence in other people's lives, through our, through our testimony, through saying, hey, can I tell you what Jesus has done in my life? We're living out loud. We're living out loud before this world. And in, and in sharing the good news, we all are working toward bringing this incredible offering to God. And what I've learned in the last eight or ten years is that, man, I could directly influence and directly pray and directly have a, a time of sharing with somebody, explaining the good news. But even more incredible is when I work with someone that said yes and I help them become a spreader, a sower, and they make disciples... I think I get to be part of that. I have a part in that. Even though it's indirect, even though it's small, and I'm not doing it to get reward, but I'm doing it with the idea of the Father smiling at me and going, thank you, I'm proud of you. And you get to do that too. We get to make disciples and make disciples. Let me tell you one story happened in November, not that long ago. There's a guy that showed up at our house on a Sunday morning, and he, uh, he had just heard the gospel, and the guy that had shared the gospel with him brought him to my house because they were, quite frankly, afraid of being baptized in the ocean. They were afraid of the waves, even though there's not many waves in Sonor. But he wanted to be baptized, and so they brought him to my house. I had offered, hey, anytime. So they brought this guy, and he, 
He cried, he cried, as we asked him, you know, tell us how you met Jesus. And, tell, and he had just met Jesus this week, the week before him. And as he's crying, he's, he just keeps saying, Dosa saya begitu banyak, saya tidak tahu bagaimana Tuhan mengampuni saya. My sins are so great, I don't know how the Lord forgives me. But he received it, he experienced it, he was baptized. And when we baptized him, I felt this amazing anointing, and I laid hands on him and I looked him in the eye and I said, the way that you've come to Jesus and been baptized today by Eli, you will baptize other people in the same pool. I just prophesied that over him. Prayed it. He smiled and, and I'm sure he's thinking, yeah, right. Well, two weeks later, he shows up with Ita and he baptized her. The next week, there was a whole group of people show up at my house. And the dude baptized four people that four more people that he had led to Jesus that week. Say, wow. That's kind of normal discipleship. The things that we're getting from God, we're passing on, the way that we've been make, being made disciples, we're making others disciples, and we're seeing this generational growth that caused the Father to be so, so pleased because His favorite offering is people. Shout it to the person next to you. God's favorite offering is people. I say shout because they're like six feet away. Next slide. It says in, in one of the famous lines, oh, I'll get to that in a minute. Let me tell you about Benjamin. So a couple years ago, Janine and I were headed back to the States. We were excited. We hadn't been in Austin, our home city, for a long time. We hadn't seen our home church in a, in a year or two. And uh, we were on the last leg of this long journey, you know, from from. Then Pasar to Austin's like a day in planes, you know, in transit. And finally, the last leg is San Francisco to Austin, three hours. And we're jet lagging big time. And for some reason, Janine got seated way in front of me in the plane. I was kind of in the back and I was sitting next to a window. And next to me was this guy right here. His name's Benjamin. That's his English version name. But he's, uh, he's from China. He's an IT guy, and this was his first time to the United States. And he was going to my home city, Austin, because uh, Austin's a real tech capital. So he was excited to go to a seminar all week. And, and, uh, and so I, I could tell he was craning his neck, trying to look out the window. And I said, hey, let's, let's switch seats. And so I took the middle seat, and he was looking out the window. And I was doing what Indonesians do on the airplane. And so I was like going out and then I just sensed this, this desire welling up within me and it didn't come from the devil to share with the guy. And so we started a conversation, found out about him, told him my story and then shared with him how Christ has changed my life. And he was super interested, but the first thing he said is he said, I'm an atheist. Nobody in our country believes this. And I said, well, actually, 50 million of your people uh, believe this and follow Jesus. Really? He said, really? I don't know any. There are. Trust me. I've heard. Lots. 
So anyway, he was, he was super warm and gracious, and I pulled out my, my iPad, and I started showing him verses, and I'd say, read this, and, and tell me what you're hearing, reading here. And somewhere over Arizona, Benjamin said, I want this. I want to follow Jesus. And so we, we went through the steps of doing it, and he was real funny because he, he, he was not shy. And so his, his, his booming voice was heard three or four rows in front of us and three or four rows behind us, turning his heart to Jesus and excited about following Jesus. And I, and I told him, uh, this is the first thing you need to do now as a follower of Jesus. You need to tell someone. He said, who? I said, well, there's this lady my age kind of up there. When we land and wait for baggage, you tell her what happened. So she met, he met my wife and, and immediately said, I just gave my heart to Jesus and I feel his presence and his joy and I want to follow him. Before we landed, he said, so this is Saturday, are you going to church Sunday? And I said, sure, have you ever been to church? He said, no, I've never been to church. He said, but I'd like to go now because I'm a follower of Jesus. So I pin drop the church's address. The next morning we get to the church, the church that we started, the church that's this pretty big church and lots of people, but we got there early, he got there ahead of us, and by the time I got there, Benjamin had told five of my friends why he loves Jesus and why he's following him. So it's already happening. You know, it's already happening, this spreading of the good news. So I just I tell you that story. I, I wish I had hundreds of stories like this. I don't. But I do have a few. But what's in my heart right now, as I stand before you before God, I remember that feeling I had at 19 years old that I couldn't wait to stuff my money into that offering bag. I have the same feeling. And the feeling is not about money necessarily, although I want to be generous, continue to be generous. But it's about, next slide, it's about, not that slide, sorry, the next slide. It's about people like this. Now, what are these photos of? These are photos of Indonesians. And they happen to be from what's, what's called, we say in Boston, Indonesia, STA, Suku Trabekan, unreached people groups of Indonesia. There are literally 172 tribal groups, language groups in Indonesia that have less than 0.1% followers of Jesus. Let me say that again. Less than one in a thousand know of Jesus. And quite honestly, quite honestly, we joyfully turned over this church that we started and led. We joyfully, with some sadness, said goodbye to two of our three kids. We, we said bye to family, I mean our broader church family. And we moved back to Indonesia because between 1992, when we left Indonesia the first time and moved back to America and became pastors, in 2012, I thought about these people a lot. Partly a sense of burden, partly a sense of intercession and prayer. But more than that, this imagining of getting to present people like this to the Lord on that great day. I said, I had a part in it. At the very least, I interceded for them. 
the very least I encourage my Indonesian brothers and sisters, go for it, live among them, share with them, share with people that come, that God's brought to Bali. I want to present that offering in the days ahead. That's what I want. And I want you, to, I want you guys to think about that too. In fact, I want you to care about that. I want you to ask the Lord today, what's the offering that I can give to you? Because it's got to come from your heart. It's got to be joyful. It's got to be an offering that you give uh, sacrificially and an offering you give unto Him. And you know I'm not talking just about money. I'm talking about your influence, your time, your intercession, your your efforts to, to share. I guarantee you that God has brought you, and especially if you're an Indonesian, into relationships with non-believers that I'll never touch. Pastor Don will never be able to preach to because they won't show up here. But you can present an offering to God on that day. And it's His favorite offering. So you on board? You want to see that happen? How many of you just, just like sincerely, honestly say, uh, Pastor Ron, I want to be used of God to reach lost people. Just, just if that's what your heart is, I want you to raise your hand. And some of you that are raising your hand, you're going, that's ah, not my spiritual gift. I'm not really bold and tolerant, tolerancy, you know, in Indonesia. I'm not supposed to do that. But I want to tell you, there's an overriding truth that God has created people of whatever religion in order to be in relationship with them. Some of you today may not have that relationship with God that He's created you to have. And this is the day that you could say yes. This is the day you could say okay and, and offer yourself to Him. Because, as it says in Romans 12, presenting ourselves to God is our spiritual act of worship. That's an offering. And He goes, I'll take it. I'll take it. And He delights in it. He's dancing over you. He's smiling over you. He's, he's, he's welcoming you and I to fully join in this awesome process of may, letting the world know of His love. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we trust You to do what You've done in me thousands of times and that is to give me an idea of an offering and to show me how to give it and I'm asking for every person in this room who loves you and knows you to care on a new level to imagine the smile on your face with our offerings I'm asking for anyone in this room that's far from you, that feels distant, maybe over COVID, you, this, maybe this is your first time back at church. Maybe you haven't been in church in years. But I pray in the name of Jesus that you today would say yes to His invitation. It's not Kabatulan that you're here. It's, it's His design. And so in the name of Jesus, say yes. Come back to Him. Now, I want you to stand together with me right now. And I want you to 
just join me symbolically in lifting your hands like this. Everyone, just lift your hands like this. And just say, Lord, I want to envision the people that through my example, through my prayers, through my love, through my witness, through my good works to them, through my telling the story of my faith, I want to bring them to you someday and as followers, as people who believe in you and follow you. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Use us. I want you to say vocally, in the name of Jesus. Skalilagi, once more, in the name of Jesus. I want a big offering for you. One that pleases you. One that puts a big smile on your face. Use me to bring people. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, before Pastor Don closes the prayer, you could be seated. I want to take this opportunity, and by the way, I have permission, to announce what's called the Antioch Discipleship School. We're starting today. This is the day that we start, which is at 4 o'clock later this evening, right over in this room. And the Antioch Discipleship School is working together with ICC, IFGF, to provide an atmosphere of training and of community and of, and of study together, bringing in some people who are living it out, who are disciples of Jesus. And we're doing so with the goal that, that we would be Lancat, close to the Lord. We'd walk with Him as a disciple. That we would become like Him. That His character, the Christ character would be formed in us at kind of a, a hyperspace or what do you call it, like overdrive, rapid increase through this environment. And finally, and this is by the way from a guy named Dallas Willard, one of my heroes of faith, to be with him, to become like him, being Jesus, and to do what he did. In other words, to begin to live out making other disciples through the power of God, gifts of the Spirit working in and through us. So, you're invited. Consider yourself invited. But let me say this. It's going to be in Bahasa, Indonesia. So if you don't know Bahasa, Indonesia, wait until we have an English version, which is coming probably sometime in the next year. Okay, God bless you. I wanted to give that little plug for...